the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the special episode of Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host as always, Bob Brown, and delighted to be joined here with a fantastic new coach, Sean. I've had me on many, many times, and um, in a strange year, so it's good to have him back here right before Christmas. First of all, how you doing, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I mean, it's, you know, I know it's bright sunshine where you are, but, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know, it, it's pitch black here and raining, but then, as you know, that's Manchester for about eight months of the year. Yeah, that's one thing I don't miss. Uh, let me talk to you about Manchester United, of course. Um, Strange result the weekend, 6-2. Um, it's very difficult to pin him to Anthony on this Manchester United team because um, they win games you don't you don't expect them to win. They lose games you don't expect them to lose. They go from the ridiculous at, Le- at Leipzig to you know looking like a football team at the weekend. Um, what's your take on them? Well, I I think it's a team full of very good players, and um, I think they should be doing better than they are this season. What I think last season was a good season. I think three semi-finals and a third-place finish was good in the progression of what Oli Solskjaer's trying to do. Now, uh, in this country, with a club the size of Man United, if you lose a game, you're in crisis. Uh, if you win a game, you're, you're back on the right road. Um, and you have to take... I mean, thankfully, uh, you know, having covered them for over 20 years... I'm able to take a sort of a, a longer view, and my, my view has always been, and I've never deviated from it from the from the word go, is that Solskjaer is on the right on the right lines. I think he has the right ideas. Um, I think he's underappreciated. I think the abuse of him is at times on social media is appalling. Um, you know, and just because he's not a big name and he's not a Pochettino and he's not a you know, Pep and all this, and and people who come out and say he's tactically naive. I mean, have you seen what he's done to some of the best coaches in this country and in Europe? And he did it again on Sunday. So, but sometimes they're just not, you know, they make mistakes and what have you. But what this team doesn't have, and what a lot of teams don't have, is what the Sir Alex Ferguson teams had, is treating every game as big as the last one. So you can win a PSG, um, but then you can, you know, battle out a nil-nil draw to Chelsea or what have you. That's the only thing they're missing. And I think he's, I think once he integrates that, then I think he's he's, he's going to make the next big step. Is he, you bring up a point there that I think is relevant. Is he unfairly judged because he's so scared? Because when you're sitting here, if they win yes. the game in hand against Burnley, they're within two points at Liverpool. Should we really be expecting you know to be any better than that? I think there's a I think there's an arrogance uh, often that comes mm-hmm. uh, from this country over you know so 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 Arteta because he was Pep's yeah. number two correct he has not had anything like what Oli Solskjaer's had yep um, Solskjaer because he's just been Mulder and because it was Cardiff um, you know. Uh, it was a knee-jerk judgment. It was this and that, and he, the guy—I I could see from the from the off that he had the right ideas and he was doing the right job. He had to get the wrong people out uh, in terms of what the influence were having in the dressing room, which I think he did. 
there's still more one more to go but nobody's going to pay the money um and he's trying to get together a group of players who are desperate to win every single game and have that manchester united uh, uh how do you describe it that, that that feeling about them that, that that every game is more important than anything else they do and scott mctominay is a classic example of that because he's come through the academy when we're analysing Solskjaer, I look back at Mourinho, I look back at Van Gaal. One of the differences that I see is they manage the team. Their job was to make that first 16 competitive, that's it. Solskjaer looks like he's managing a football club. And it looks like he's putting identity beyond the first team and he's rebuilding the academy all the way down. Uh, whereas Mourinho and Van Gaal were all about immediate success for them. They move on and whatever foundations are left, it doesn't really matter. It seems to me that Solskjaer is doing much more than just making the first team better. He's making United a much better football club. Well, let's, let's me re- remember, though, that it was Mourinho who promoted Scott McTominay mm-hmm. and, who, and who gave him a special award and who brought him into the team. And so it's not like Mourinho ignores the youth side of it. I think Solskjaer is overseeing a major overhaul that, will last a number of years as it did with Sir Alex, although he was starting from a much lower level. But I think Solskjaer is trying to oversee it. And I think that plan, which he discussed with Ed Woodward, which he discussed with uh, everyone in the academy and his, his coaches, um, is is gradually getting there. It's gradually getting there. I mean, you know, I, I just, the problem is the social media, like, can, no. can, send people sideways and I I, I I think a lot of people who comment on Man United have been, probably been fans for about five or ten years um, and a lot of people I know can see the good signs they get disappointed when they lose of course they do course. but this is a much harder league to win than it was when it was two clubs going for it there's five clubs going for it there's six clubs going for it Southampton are going for it you know everyone Everyone has, has improved their teams. Everyone's improved their spending power. It's a, it's a much harder league now. And Man United are, 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 are up there. They're still up there. One of the question marks that surrounds Solskjaer and Manchester United, of course, is the structure above him and whether he's got a, a competent structure above him that can support him adequately to bring in the players that he needs and also to get rid of the players that he needs out of that dressing room. They've been there for seven, eight years. That when they inherited the football club, it was a football club that were it was unthinkable that wouldn't finish top four. Now it's not unthinkable. Do they deserve more time? Because to me, if Solskjaer goes, when do they take responsibility as well? Um, because uh, they're the people that appoint these managers. Is it a competent structure above him? If if every manager since Sir Alex had won the league and continued his success then he wasn't that good after all, mm-hmm. right? It was down to him. It was down to him what he did, not least in his last title winning season with that team that were, that were just going over the top. And let's remember, this, this football club has won the FA Cup, the EFL Cup, the Europa League, got to a FA Cup final and finished second and third, right? If that was Tottenham, they'd be building statues to people. <laughs> If that was Michael of Newcastle, would be having bus parades, and, and but this is a club that lost, didn't lose him, but he, he retired as he, he, you know, and fair enough after all those years, 
But when you lose at someone like Sir Alex Ferguson, who has basically been Manchester United for all that time, everything was in his head, nothing was on a computer, nobody was taught how to follow on from him because it was down to him. Now, people don't appreciate how much of that was down to him. And just because he throw money on it doesn't mean it. I mean, you know, Real Madrid used to throw money at things all the time without winning leagues, without winning European clubs. You have to have the right man at the helm, and he was the right man at the helm. And I think... Moyes wasn't given enough time. I thought Van Gaal's approach was so dull and terrible. I thought Mourinho did a great job for two seasons, a great job, which is totally unappreciated to this day. And I think the only mistake the board have made is getting into a position where they lost him um, because he was really, really on the right track. But now they've got another idea with Solskjaer, with the academy, with building up, with getting young players who are want to make their name rather than having made their name and come here like someone like Sanchez, who was an absolute disgrace. Um, and you've got to go with this track and you can't, you can't keep judging Oli Solskjaer game to game. You've got to look over yeah. six months, you've got to look over a year, you've got to look over the fact that in 2020 he's accrued more points than... Uh, anyone bar Klopp and Guardiola. So you've got to look at it that way. And you've got to remember that Man United are no longer in the position where they lord over everybody. Everyone else is, is, is there and having another go. There is no God-given right that they should be top of there. The question is, next for Solskjaer, is can he get United that other 5% that wins trophies, that wins titles, that becomes a ruthless winning machine? You know, club. I have to say, as much as it pains me to say, has done an unbelievable job with turning Liverpool into that. It's as much psychological as anything else. But can Solskjaer be that guy that gets you at that other five percent, where they start winning trophies, where they don't lose semi-finals, where they don't lose games like Leipzig, where they find a way to win those games? Is can he do that? I mean, you have to remember those semi-finals, though. Um, another goal. Another goal at the Etihad. The through on away goals. Uh, Chelsea. De Gea's uh, dropped one again. And, uh, you know, uh, what was it, Seville uh, in the Europa League, um, yeah, poor defensively. So, but I, I think to get to three semi-finals is a great achievement and finish third. I mean, how many games did they play in that season? You know, it was like 67 or something like that. So I thought that was a great achievement. And yet you get people moaning saying, Oh, we've lost three semi-finals. We're so short. No, you've got to three semi-finals. You're on your way. We finished third. We're so short. No, you got to third. You're on your way to coming second. You may be on your way to coming first. And yes, Liverpool are fantastic. But why? Why shouldn't Liverpool be fantastic at the top of the league after 30 yeah. years of trying to be top of the league? You know, and Manchester City with the basis that was created by uh, Roberto Mancini with the fantastic signings he made. And the structure they've got there, why shouldn't they be up there? You know, it didn't. We, we, the finger doesn't have to be pointed all the time. And you have to remind people who criticise um, Ed Woodward, the, the amount of money he's got out of the Glazers, and I know it's not their money, but they weren't spending big under David Gill, right? Under Ed Woodward, they have spent big. Now, you can't blame Ed Woodward for not picking the right players, because if you have someone like Louis van Gaal, and Jose Mourinho telling you, I want these players. Who was Ed Woodward to say no? Is he suddenly meant to be a genius? This stuff about a sporting director and all this is so ridiculously overplayed. You know, so, so 
Edwin van der Sar should come in and start telling Jose Mourinho who he should buy. That's never going to work. And how many teams have actually have this structure? I'll tell you the clubs who have this stru structure of sporting director um, who oversee uh, everything are the ones that sack coaches every year. Mm. Yeah, I, I accept that. But then there's another school of thought that says every time you sack a coach, do you hire one that was similar to the one that you just sacked so that they don't have to have revolution every time a new manager comes in and says, I need five, six new players. Do you have any thoughts at the club? I was talking to Franz Hoke. And he well, was saying, <clears throat> sorry, I just want to make this point. I was talking to Franz Hoke and he was saying, like, when, when you go to Bayern Munich, they tell you, this is the way you're going to play. Well, you can bring in three or four of your own guys, but that's it. You have to use the players that we give you. There's an ethos at the club that stays consistent no matter what. Um, is that a preferable way to do it so you don't have revolution every time some guy comes in or, or, or no? Yeah, but if the, way that you play, if the way that you play then doesn't work, do you not then change the way you play? I mean, Van Gaal was trying to put in a system that was set down at Barcelona, which then went through other managers um, and, and did work. He tried it in Man United, but the players weren't good enough. Right. It was like when Guardiola first came to City. He tried to play a certain way and they couldn't do it. It wasn't good enough. Now, Barcelona weren't all conquering because um, of a certain way that was put down to play. They were all conquering because they had Messi, because they had Iniesta, because they had um, a brilliant back four as well. It wasn't down to like just genius on the coaching grounds. You've got to have the players as well. You know, I mean, if, if Manchester United, you know, still had Keane, Scold, Beckham, Giggs and all that, it doesn't matter what tactics he put out, they're still going to win. So it's still down to the ability of the players and all this, all this hipster stuff about, you know, the sporting director and the, and the style of play and the Covacciano and all, you know, it, uh, sorry, I, I meant to say the French one, I said Covacciano, which is the Italian one. Uh, all this, you know, all this stuff, You've still got to have great players to do it, right? You've still got to have great players. Barcelona did could play that way because they had great players. Um, obviously, you've got to put a structure around it, but um, Claire Fontaine is what I was trying to say. Yeah, um, I began with C. So, um, but all that time, all that time, you've got to have you've got to have the players to be able to do it. I agree with that, but is there a criticism, legitimate criticism to be leveled at United in how they go about their business? Because you look at the summer and you'd say, Solskjaer makes a point towards the end of the season. After the Sevilla game, the depth cost them. Right? They didn't have the quality, they didn't have the ability to bring players off the bench to change games. They go out this summer, they bring in Van de Beek, um, which by all accounts is a very, very good player, but still doesn't seem like someone that was central to their plans. Cavani gets signed, at the last day of the window, can't play at Newcastle because of the COVID restrictions. Doesn't appear to me that that is a well thought out strategy. It appears to me that that is something that they've looked at Sancho, they realized they're not going to get Sancho and then decided to spend that money elsewhere. Is it? Is there something to be learned on that side of the business? <clears throat> yeah, I think there possibly is because, you know, um, there was the um, situation with David Moyes where he spent the whole summer chasing Fabregas. Right. And get them um i think i think they're having to learn from the position where in the past when manchester united clicked the fingers the player would come running 
And that's what used to happen in the past, unless that player was at Madrid or Barcelona. You know, they could click their fingers and the player would come running. And I think they're still having to adjust to the fact that that does not happen anymore. I'm not sure that Sancho... Um, I don't, I'm not sure that they desperately need Sancho as much as most some people say. I think they probably, I think a second centre half um, would have done. Um, and uh, and the striker in Cavani, we're still not sure whether that's going to, you know, work as well. But you know, but when you talk about recruitment again, you've got, you know, United have got something in place that studies an awful lot of players. There's an awful lot of experience behind the scenes looking for those players. And I think the recruitment actually under Solskjaer, I'm not sure that there's been a bad buy. I agree. I completely agree. I think since Solskjaer's come in, it's been much improved. Um, and I look at, you know, I'm going to bring up Bruno Fernandes. Maybe the best thing at the football club in a long, long time, possibly since Cantona or someone or Colts Keane or someone like that. Uh, he came in in January, completely transformed Manchester United. Um, it, do they need to go out this January and bring in players, or do you expect they won't? Um, I mean, if they, I mean, if they can, I mean, you know, people people say about a centre half, we need another Vidic. I mean, there aren't Vidic's around. You know, I did a piece the other day saying like, Vidic and Ferdinand is once in a generation centre back partnerships. Roy Keane, can can you really name a midfielder? since Keane's era ended that is as good as him that Man United could have got? Because I can't. I mean, you know, obviously you could name Messi and Ronaldo at the very top of the tree, but players United used to have are not there to be bought again. Um, and so the level is is going to drop from that. You have to, I think sometimes fans have to appreciate, just appreciate what they had at the time rather than wondering why they can't get those in the future. Um, and again, you're up against a more competitive market and also a market that takes the mick out of Man United because they're not on the top anymore. So they know they're desperate to get back to the top. So they end, add another 20, 30 million and what have you. And then you end up in the ridiculous Sanchez position where the wage barrier is destroyed to the point where the rest of the players are cheesed off with it all. So, you know, that, that it's... United is evolving in a, in a different era with different managers and without Sir Alex. And sometimes you just have to think that's how it is. Is this the first window they're approaching, possibly since Ferguson left the football club, where they're approaching it from a position of strength, where they're not in a situation where we're desperate to get to January to get a player in or two players in? Looks to me like this is the first time you have approached the window where it's like, look, if we don't sign anyone in January, it's not the end of the world. We've got a squad that will carry us the end of the season. It, that's the first time I felt going to a window where I'm not desperate to get there so that they can bring players in. Um, is that the first time they've approached a window from a position of strength? I think so. I mean, I don't see. I mean, I don't see a weak squad there. I mean, I, yeah. you know, Oli made five changes uh, for the Leeds game and absolutely destroyed them. And people who were looking at that team sheet will have gone. Are you sure Daniel James, you know, uh, are you sure made Scott McTominay? Uh, why is Van der Beek not playing and all this? And they were fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. James, Daniel James is, is, a, is, a, is a player that's going to be a fantastic player. Give him a chance. Don't, don't, don't yeah. just say, sorry, Daniel James is not Ryan Giggs. Well, Ryan Giggs wasn't Ryan Giggs until yeah. he was given a chance. Give him a chance. Um, 
I, I've always thought Scott McTominay's a great player. He, he's never going to be Lionel Messi. He's never going to be Roy Keane. But he, he has what a lot of Man United players have always had coming through the academy, as I mentioned before, about that ingrained ability to give it in every game. And I think there's players in that squad where he can change it three or four and it can still be an excellent team, an excellent team. I think the one thing I would do and change to make them better is, and Ollie obviously knows better than me, so he sees things that I don't, but I would put Mason Greenwood as the number nine because I think he goes into positions to score goals that others don't. Um, I think Rashford's a brilliant footballer, but I don't, he's not Gary Lineker in terms of, you know, you don't see him and then he suddenly scores a goal. I think Greenwood is, and I would play Greenwood as the number nine. What about Van der Beek now? Why isn't he someone that's starting games? You know what? I, 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 I'm only theorising, but I, I think he's arrived and Solskjaer's seen something where he's thought, hmm, I, I'm not quite sure now. You know, I'm not quite sure he can... I mean, even the... the there was one game he played where people were raving about him and it was it was just it was nothing more than Darren Fletcher and Nicky but anyone would have done. It was very simple. It was very, you know, it wasn't game changing. Um and, and no I'm not trying those two, but what I'm saying is we're talking about Van der Beek as if he should be this unbelievable player just because he's been at Ajax. I mean, you know, Ajax Ajax are a are a big name because of what's happened in the past, not because of what's happening in the present. Um so Solskjaer has obviously seen something where he thinks Fred is better for me in the Premier League. McTominay is better for me in the Premier League. Um, and I think he's just seen something that he's lacking for, for the Premier League. And maybe it's been a mistake. I think Fred's also a good example in the sense that it took a while before you saw yeah. this Fred. And um, I think also Solskjaer said something that was quite interesting about Van der Beek that give a clue when he said people don't understand what goes on behind the scenes as well. And there's probably something that's going on in training that's given him some doubt. <clears throat> um, we're almost done there. I want to ask you about David De Gea because um, now more than any other time during his United career, he's been under question. Henderson plays against the African United drops a mistake. Um, is De Gea uh, the goalkeeper that he was two, three years ago? And, and should United look to replace him? I don't think he is the goalkeeper two or three years ago. Uh, he, he, he made a stunning save. I mean, it was lost in the in the six-two, but I think it was at I think it was at four-one where he made a, a another stunning reaction save. The thing that gets me about De Gea is he seems nailed to his line too much, and I can't understand that given that he's been in the Premier League now for ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not that confidence with him anymore about him. And I don't know whether the confidence is gone because he's has made mistakes, and you know if he comes out and misses one, he's going to get criticised. And if he stays on his line and one goes past him, he can't be criticised because oh, what could you do with that shot? I think his confidence is gone. I think he's looking like a player who wonders whether you know had the fax machine worked five years ago, <laughs> he would be, still be in Madrid. Um, and I think you know. Okay, that was a mistake by Henderson the other night, but I, I I think the gloves should now be handed over. Not necessarily right now, but certainly at the end of the season. 
we have a bit of a problem. He's on massive amounts of money. And, uh, he, well, that is the problem, and that, that's been the problem for a long time at United, is, is that they have, you know, you cannot, you cannot um, destroy them for what they've spent, because, you, but you can maybe have a go at how much they've spent, because, I mean, like, he's on 235000 a week or something like that. I mean, no one's going to pay that for David De Gea, because he's not the best goalkeeper in the world. And I, I think Mourinho actually said it after he left. He said, I cannot understand him giving you his contract, because... It's not like any other team wants him right. at the moment, uh, and he's always very forthright, Jose. So, um, yeah, that is the that is the problem with him. That is the problem with getting rid of Pogba. It's all it's all, it's a problem with getting rid of Phil Jones. I know. You know, you've got you've got a defender there who's on a hundred thousand pounds a week. Who is going to pay that? Who can afford to pay that? Particularly now, where clubs are, you know, really stymied financially. Yeah, I agree. It's bizarre. Coming up to January, uh, players coming out. I want to ask you about another player, um, Jesse Lingard. I know you've just done a piece on him. Uh, strange situation that he, 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 like United fans are not massive fans of this kid. Um, I think he also takes scandalous abuse at times um, that really is disgraceful. Um, he hasn't played in a long time. Uh, you imagine he has to leave in January if he wants to salvage his career. Will he leave in January? Well, again, it's a wage problem. I mean, he'll probably be on at least 100,000. Um, you know, there's talk about a loan to Sheffield United. Will he want that? Uh, you know, this is... The, 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 I mean, I thought, when I first watched, started watching him, I thought he was a sensation. You know, he played five of six England games up to the semi-final of the World Cup. Winner in the FA Cup in 2016, wasn't it? Scored in the EFL Cup final. Uh, and he was fantastic. And I... And I it's it's gone wonky for a number of reasons. Um, I mean, you know, the, the, the social media abuse. It's disgraceful. Well, I mean, life would be better without Twitter, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, I know that myself, but I knew yeah. do as well. We all so, do, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think if we could all just turn that off, that would be great. Mm. Um, and I hope he doesn't look at it because, you know, he's a good, fun lad. He's, 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 he's mm. infectious with his fun around the training ground and stuff like that. And things have just gone wrong for him. And his, his you know, I think he, he might be a classic example of the modern day footballer whose eye went off the ball and what have you. I mean, you know, I mean, who does a video thing in Miami that goes onto Instagram and then goes around and, you know, you just don't do that. You stay under the radar because, um, uh, you know, if you're doing it on the pitch, it's fine. But if you're not, it's the same with Pogba, you know, all this constant media stuff and emoji a new haircut and all this sort of thing fine but if you do it on the pitch it's fine but if you're not it's like is your attention elsewhere mm -hmm. so i think that's where lingard might have gone wrong but as a bloke you know you you don't you never hear a bad word against him no i know they, they genuinely worry about that kid's mental health whenever you he has to shut it down uh or i can't imagine what's like for his family to read that last two questions one is keep a pop but will he I, I can't see him leaving in january but he leaving the summer you know, I, th I think Man United just have to bite the bullet and um, take what they can, you know, whether it be the new year, whether it be the summer. The point is, if if they lose him, they're not losing anything from the team. Um, he yeah, doesn't contribute enough to the team to, to for his absence to be a, a major hit. So they just have to accept that it hasn't worked. Take what you can. If someone offers, if Juventus say 30 million, can we have them back? Say fine. Because the sideshow 
is costing more than the wages for me. And there's more questions over, uh, you know, and we're guilty of this as well, but there's more questions about Paul Pogba than there are about Scott McTominay than there are about the brilliance of Mason Greenwood, who I think is going to be one of the greatest Man United players ever. Um, but there's still more questions about Pogba and you need that sideshow gone. Last thing, uh, make a prediction. What do you think United will do second half of the season if you had to predict where they finish? <clears throat> I think they will finish where they are, third. Mm, so I'm thinking. And I think they'll, but I think they'll be up. I don't think they'll be like third by 20 points or anything yeah. like that. I think they'll be up there and I think they'll be, you know, within striking range with three three games to go because this this is a team that is that is getting better, you know, and you know, that, that Manchester derby, all right, it, it was nil-nil, but it was nil-nil against one of the greatest sides English football seen. Mm-hmm. All right, minus Sergio Aguero, but it was Man City under Pep Guardiola. That is not a bad result. Um and all right, the Champions League went wrong at the end, but you look at the start and what they did there, and and I just see the steps, and I and I think were they to finish third behind a brilliant Liverpool team, uh, who else would be up there? You know, I think Tottenham are a fantastic team, yeah, but they've lost a couple. So third, second, I could see it. You know, you can see it happening, and if it does happen, well done, well done, Oli Solskjaer, because. The great thing about Solskjaer in, in his reign is all the all the you know abuse he gets, all the an- analysis over him, all the you know com- condescending suggestions. Mm-hmm. That he's tactically naive. Why does he change the team? What do you mean? Why does he change the team? He changed Pep Guardiola changes the team in the formation and plays a false nine, and he's a genius. Oli does it, and he doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know. He is a lot better than a lot of people think, and I think he's taking United in the right direction. I agree. I think if he finishes within third and a couple of points, maybe 10 points at Liverpool or whatever, that's progress, and that's yep. all you can really ask for him. Uh, Neil, always a pleasure, mate. I wish you nothing more the best. Have a great Before Christmas. Before you go, just raise those blinds <laughs> so I can see the sun, because we don't get it in Manchester. All right. You have a let down. So uh, enjoy your Christmas, mate, and uh, be safe. And thanks very much for taking the time to do this. Thanks very much, Paul. Anytime. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. <clears throat>